Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. Recently, I shared a social media post featuring a picture of a tally counter. That may not seem like a big deal. However, the picture came from Bethel's online store and the item was titled a declaration clicker. I had seen this about a year ago and I held on to it for that amount of time because at the time when I found it, I was rather shocked at what I was seeing on their website and the description of it. Uh, held on to it because of going through the cage stage, if you will, of coming out of the uh, Word of Faith, New Apostolic Reformation, and felt mm, probably too soon to share something like this on my public page, and also not sure what the reactions were going to be. And as time has gone on, and I have become accustomed <laughs> to some of the negative rhetoric that comes my way, and positive at the same time, I, I came to the point of being comfortable sharing it and letting the chips fall where they may. And as I share this, some of you may immediately recognize very much the word of faith, um, even the law of attraction, if you will, that kind of goes with this because those kind of go hand in hand and how this declaration clicker relates to the word of faith and the dangers in that and the, and the concerns that are unbiblical that go along with it, even though, even though scripture is shared when talking about this declaration clicker that doesn't validate it and make it something that's biblical to do. Here is the description on Bethel's website for the Declaration Clicker. The Igniting Hope Ministries Declarations Clicker, parentheses tally counter, is a powerful and practical tool to help believers renew their minds with truth by helping them tabulate the number of times they speak biblically-based declarations. Bill Johnson has said that physical obedience brings spiritual release. Many have found that the physical act of clicking a tally counter while speaking declarations dramatically increases faith in the truth being spoken. As you augment what you speak with the declarations clicker, you will transform what you believe, which will ultimately change what you experience in life, quoting Romans 12:2. Start renewing your mind with your words of hope today and watch your life be transformed. They go on to describe on their website how to use a declarations clicker. Give yourself a click on your declarations clicker for every declaration of truth you speak. Set a personal goal for how many you want to say a day. Here are some tips for increasing your declarations. Number one, declare from a daily declarations list. Steve's book, Declarations, Unlock Your Future, has declaration lists for many areas of life. You can also write your own list or use Steve's daily declarations and it lists their website. We're going to look at that list in just a little bit. Number two, conduct a 30-day declarations experiment. See what happens to your thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, and circumstances by intentionally speaking truth for a month straight. We suggest speaking at least 100 declarations over your life a day for 30 days and using your clicker to keep track. Many have done this and have sent Igniting Hope Ministries incredible testimonies. Number three, exchange lies for God's truth. Next time you find yourself believing a lie from the enemy, catch it and exchange it for truth. If you hear, I am worthless, intentionally declare the truth instead, such as I am a chosen, set apart, beloved child of God. Then give your declarations clicker a click. Number four, focus on specific lies. One way to get the most out of your declarations clicker is to seek the Lord to identify specific lies you're believing in key areas of life, like finances, your future, identity, relationships, etc., and declaring biblical truth until your mind is renewed in those areas. Learn more at ignitinghope.com. 
Now, before I share declarations from this ministry, I want to play for you from a recent corporate message from Steve Backland. Now, Steve Backland is the founder, one of the founders with his wife of Igniting Hope Ministries. He is the one they're referencing when they say Steve's declaration list. So let's see what Steve had to say at a recent Bethel service uh, three months ago, actually, back on February 25th of 2022. The title of this message that he preached at Bethel was Why We Make Declarations. And I'm going to share some things with you that he said, but he specifically, I listened to this entire message, and he specifically mentions the declarations clicker in this service. Let's see what he has to say about the declarations clicker. One of the reasons I make declarations is to fire me up. Because anytime I I make a declaration, anytime I attach faith to whether it's a day, a meeting, a year, because anytime you attach faith to things, you get energy, you get power, and you get cheerfulness. When I wake up in the morning, I've got these declaration clickers. These things are spiritually flammable. We got we sell these at Igniting Hope, but you can just go to a a hardware store and get a tally counter. Be a good experiment for some, just to do a hundred declarations a day for a month and see what happens. Just experiment. Yep, everywhere I go, revival breaks out. My prayers for my family are working. Mm-hmm. My prayers for my nation are working. They're really working. Even if I don't see it, they're working. <laughs> when I wake up, I say, pretty much every morning, I say these words. This is going to be the best day of my life yet. And when I say it, I don't feel it. Lies seem more real to me in the morning. They seem more real to me when I wake up. <clears throat> but the moment I say it, I start to feel something. Ha-ha. <laughs> Maybe my best day spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, yet. I say that. Some, some would say, well, well, brother, <laughs> well, brother, you, you, you should wait until your day is over and then wait to see how your day was and then just use your words to describe your day. Let's laugh at that. God hasn't called us to use our words to describe our lives. He's called us to use our words to change our lives. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of what he used the declarations clicker for, and we're going to go into more detail about it. We're going to listen to a couple of more clips from this same message that he preached, because I'm going to argue that this is very much word of faith. He mentions word of faith in the middle of the service, and talks about the excesses or the extremes that happened in the 80s with Word of Faith, and um, mentioning about how people made the the extreme uh, declarations of you know don't don't say that over yourself or you'll die. There are people that still hold to that. Uh, there that was something that I used to do to a certain point actually, and that's Word of Faith. Anybody that's been involved in Word of Faith knows that the father of of Word of Faith teaching is Kenneth Hagan. The grandfather is E.W. Kenyon. Um, E.W. Kenyon gleaned from Phineas Quimby, who taught metaphysics. He taught about new thought, and so um, and we know Mary Baker Eddy gleaned from also from uh, Phineas Quimby, who was the the founder of Christian Science. So we're not going to get into the history of all that necessarily. We will touch on a little bit of what the Word of Faith is, in case you haven't heard about it, but. I'm going to argue with you that some of the things he's saying, even though scriptures are attached to it on the list, it really is a self-centered gospel. It really is me-centered because one of the beliefs of the word of faith is that we are little gods. 
And that also aligns with law of attraction. Law of attraction believes that, you know, that you are God's incarnated, that you are your own, that you have the divine deity in you and that you are God. And word of faith is not too far off from that when they teach about little gods, that you are a little God and the words that you speak and such. But we'll we'll touch a little bit more on the teaching as we go. He, I was kind of shocked when I listened to his service. I was not expecting him to talk about the declarations clicker. I listened to it because he was explaining why they make declarations to try to understand. And so it was kind of an added bonus because I was going to talk about the declarations clicker. Then he mentioned it. So now we're going to take a listen to some clips from the same service on February 25th, 2022 at Bethel, why we make declarations. And Mr. Backland mentioned several different uh, Bible passages during his sermon, but he never really elaborates on them or exposits them really in the the proper biblical understanding of of exegesis for them, for the people. And he has a lot of um, experiences, personal stories, things that really are not pertinent to understanding biblically what it means for him when he says to make declarations, but um, attaching biblical verses to things. He starts off talking about the Valley of Dry Bones, about how Ezekiel, when God was asking Ezekiel if can these bones live, and kind of making a joke of, you know, Ezekiel saying, well, you know, Lord, and telling, uh, basically emphasizing the fact that Ezekiel was the one that spoke over the bones, What has failed to be highlighted there is the fact that God instructed Ezekiel to speak over the bones. And about the five-minute mark, uh, Mr. Backlund says this about declarations. You prophesy. You tell them they're going to live. You tell them they got a future. You got to tell them. He didn't say, step aside, watch me prophesy, Ezekiel. Watch me as God tell them. God has to partner with somebody who has hope. Matter of fact, he has to partner with unreasonably optimistic people to accomplish his will. And I like to say I'm not, I'm not into positive thinking. I'm into biblical optimism. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That's a lot of hope talk. And he tells us why. For he who promises faithful. So this is one of them that we'll touch on. We are not going to touch on every single Bible verse that he mentions. But I did want to touch on that because when he said it, I thought, but is that the context of what that scripture says? So let's take that one for example. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to start a few verses before verse 23 to kind of so that we can get a little bit better context here. When we see chapter 10, it's talking about the, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has brought once for all. And in verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." Now, when we look at that in context, it it talks about the assurance of faith that we have is in salvation, is what it's talking about. This is not talking about let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, meaning you can confess whatever you want and you, you have hope and you have faith in what you're saying because God is faithful to his promise. He's He's faithful to do what you ask him to do or what you confess to do. 
he's faithful because of he's already done it. He's the sacrifice by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins and that we have the full assurance of faith through salvation in Jesus Christ. That's what that's talking about. And that he renews us, that he is making us new. This is a prime example of why, again, you'll hear me on multiple different episodes of podcasts say it is so important for you to open your Bible in services or after the service or take notes and to read. Make sure or if you're listening to someone online or whatever you're doing, you need to be opening your Bible and reading along because someone mentions a Bible verse and I sat under this for years. Someone mentions a Bible verse. You don't have your Bible open. You're just nodding along and you're thinking, well, it's validated because there's a Bible verse attached to it. That's not how that works at all. We have to be students of the word. And so this appropriation, you'll see this. I mean, like I said, this is very much word of faith. It's going to just echo that all throughout this when you hear what's being said. This is word of faith. It may be packaged differently and it it includes a bonus declarations clicker, but it's word of faith. Because when you're assigning power to your words and you're saying you have to watch what you say and that if you don't, that, you know, you're calling things into existence and you're misappropriating scripture, Romans 4.17 was another one that was misappropriated in this service, you're going to hear the echoes of word of faith. Now, he has this to say about the 725 minute mark about the heart and beliefs. No, I mean, I was surrendering my heart, my will, the Lord, Romans 12, 1, giving my body, living sacrifice. Um, just uh, didn't understand that really my beliefs were the problem. I thought my heart was the problem, but he says, no, actually what you believe is your problem. He goes on to say that he was moved into Romans 12, 2, which is talking about the renewal of your mind. I'm going to have to disagree when he says that the Lord told him it was it was a beliefs issue, but not a heart issue. The Bible would disagree with him. And this is another reason why we need to pay attention when people are speaking and they're saying something and they're speaking from experience. The Bible would disagree with him. The Bible would disagree that it's not a heart issue. We all have a heart issue. Jeremiah makes it very clear that our hearts, apart from that, our hearts are evil and wicked. Our hearts are sick and desperately wicked. Our hearts cannot be trusted apart from the Lord. And so the question that I keep coming to, and and I'm speaking as someone who did have experiences in this these types of, of movements, claiming that God told me things and that the Holy Spirit said things, and speaking on behalf of the Lord as a quote-unquote prophet of God. It becomes more and more clear to me as I continue to listen to services like this where, where people are claiming over and over and over again, well, the Holy Spirit said this to me, the Holy Spirit said that to me, the Lord said this to me, the Lord said that to me. Is the Holy Spirit ever saying to these people, you're not interpreting my word properly that's written down already? If, they're re- if, they- if people are really hearing the Holy Spirit say these things to them and then directing them to these scriptures, why is the Holy Spirit not telling them that they're misappropriating scripture? That, that is something that keeps coming back to me over and over again as I listen, I listen to this whole service that he did. And several times he said, the Holy Spirit said this to me, the Holy Spirit said that to me. And then the Holy Spirit speaks these things to you and gives you this revelation. And he's giving you revelation that first of all, contradicts scripture. And then you're saying that, that the Holy Spirit is telling you these things, but the Holy, that same Holy Spirit is not telling you that you're misinterpreting scripture, that you're misappropriating it. These are things to consider. And I say that 
with all gentleness and humility and and knowing that I don't have all the answers, knowing that the Bible is clear. I mean, we can read it in the context of, of how it's written and we can fellowship with God through his word by understanding him. We are to glean from his word and to continue to build upon that relationship with God by staying in his word. So it's just something I, I think about as I, I was going through here, and you may have your own thoughts as well and, and may not agree with me on what I just said, but let's keep going. He makes some different references. He talks about the word of faith, as I said, for a little bit about the 17, uh, 50 minute mark. He referenced um, making declarations and they are to release grace in his life and that he has control over the amount of grace in his life. At the 19-minute mark, he talks about this person is the most important person to prophesy over. Let's see who that is. I get to control, on one level, the, the measure of grace that comes into my life. And we we just, with the prophetic conference, and I love prophesying. I, I just love what happened in the conference. The most important person to prophesy over is ourselves. I used to preach good news to everybody else and bad news to me bad news in my self-talk but we get to release grace to ourselves romans 4 17 is another reason i make declarations where it says god who gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they are declarations are uh calling things that are not as though they are i do it in my own life i had to call things as a young leader, when, when there wasn't good leadership manifesting, when there wasn't proper thinking, man, I had to call those things in my life. I had to say who I was before I was in the experience of it. Now, I'm going to touch on two two different things. I played the clip a little bit longer. But the first part is, he says, the most, most important person to prophesy to is yourself. Where is that in Scripture? That's the one question. That's one question I, I have is where is that in Scripture? Because even when we look at First Corinthians fourteen, we can see that none of the spiritual gifts, for example, are for self; they're for building up the church. So if they believe in spiritual gifts, then they need to acknowledge that the gifts are not for self; they're for building up the church, building up others. Now, can we encourage ourselves in the Lord? He references this during the service about David encouraged himself in the Lord. Yes, but it's not what he's implying that it means. We look to the Lord. We're not being encouraged by the words coming out of our mouth, but we're encouraged by who God is and that we don't deserve what God's done, but that we're, that we're being built up because of the Lord. We're being built up, continuing in our hope and our trust in him, that our faith is placed in him. We're always keeping our focus on him. And one of the things I do see in in this type of talk, in this sermon, it seemed very self-centered, very uh, focused on self. God was in the background, uh, mentioned at times, but it was really a focus on self. And I think you're going to see that as we go on, even when he talks about the declarations. You've already heard that when he talks about the declarations clicker. Uh, revival breaks out everywhere I go. My prayers are working. My prayers over my nation are working. I do this. I do that. I see this. I see that. It's all self-centered. It's on self. It's focused on self. And that, again, it goes back to word of faith and focusing on the control you have. So I again, I would not agree with what he's saying about the most important person to prophesy over is yourself. 
that's negating, first of all, the spiritual gift rule, even in 1 Corinthians 14, that, that the spiritual gifts are for building up the church. And secondly, he talks about Romans 4.17. Now, Romans 4.17 is a proof text that's used and has been used many times in the Word of Faith movement and in other practices, I'm sure, where people say um, that scripture talks about that you speak things that aren't as though they were. We don't do that. When you read that in context, Romans 4.17 is talking about Abraham, and it's talking about that God, that Abraham believed in God who called things into existence. God is the one who calls things into existence. We do not call things into existence. But this is another text that Mr. Backlund uses to say that this is why he makes declarations. Um, He also goes on to say this at the 21-minute mark. The person who's in a weak experience keep agreeing with God and who they really are. It's not about denial. It doesn't say, let the weak say I'm not weak. We don't deny weakness. If, if we're battling weakness, we get prayer, go to the doctor, take medicine if we need to, get counseling, but we don't call ourselves weak. Because the moment we create an identity out of our experience, that becomes the stronghold. The moment we create an identity out of our experience, that thing is bigger than anything the devil's doing. That's it. That's the, that's the only thing that can stop the purposes of God it is that. So I'm a strong person. Now, I find that very interesting um, for, uh, for a few reasons. Um, when he says that they do not deny that they need help, but they don't call themselves weak. Paul would disagree with him. I mean, we can even see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when we go and we look at what Paul says to the Corinthian church, And he admits to them that he had a vision, a revelation from heaven. And because of this, so that he would not become conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So he basically would rebuke Paul and say that he was unbiblical and that he had no power because he was confessing that he was weak. He just said, we can, we admit that we need help, that we use medicine, whatever we need, but we don't call ourselves weak. Word of faith. That is word of faith. And he goes on to say, the mo- because the moment that we create an identity out of our experience, that becomes the stronghold and that they don't deny weakness, but they were, we're, they say we are, he says, we are simply to confess who we are in our weakness. Again, this is self-centered, and and there may be a little bit of grain of truth to this because we do we understand that words are powerful in the sense they can encourage people, they can discourage people. We want to meditate on the Word of God properly, so that we can continue to think on who He is in those difficult times and those hard times that we face, and in the times when we can rejoice in the Lord. We want to go back to what His Word testifies of Him, so that we know what the truth is. We know what the truth is. 
But to say that you, the moment you create an identity out of your experience, that becomes the stronghold on the flip side, it also negates some of their very own arguments that have nothing to do with sickness and such, such as Bill Johnson even saying at one point that um, a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. His, his very statement right there would negate what Bill Johnson has said before about that, because experience is held to a high standard and a high level of validation in some of these camps, in some of these belief systems. But he's saying as far as your negative experiences, well, we don't want to hold any sort of weight with them because the moment you create an identity out of your experience and those negative things, then you create a stronghold. This seems double-minded. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that. I don't know. But that this was something that crossed my mind because I remember hearing Bill Johnson. I've heard others, other people say that as well. He, he refers to James 3. So let's go to James 3, 2. And actually, it's a verse. let's back up to verse 1 because I find this pretty fitting. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his own body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And this chapter essentially deals with us taming the tongue, and none of us are able to tame the tongue in and of ourselves. Uh, we need the, the leading of the Holy Spirit to help us in order to put our flesh under subjection. But Steve Backlund says here that it is um, that this verse in James 3, 2, which says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. He says that very verse is saying that if we can control our tongue, we can control our lives. Now, to a certain point, that would make sense and that would be agreeable agreeable however when you would press to see what do you mean by that it would again go back to this word of faith teaching he also says during the service as he goes on that you can't change your life without changing how you talk once again word of faith because it's putting the, the emphasis on your words and not on god but essentially our, the power lies in god himself he ends with also saying that he makes declarations to inspire himself, to encourage himself. And again, I understand that we need to be encouraged in the in the word, in, uh, encouraged in the Lord. We can be encouraged by his word. But once again, I think if you press this, you would find that this harkens back very much to word of faith. If you want to inspire yourself and and build yourself up, it's all about you and, and what you can do and the power that you possess so what is the word of faith? Maybe you're one of those listening and you've never heard of the word of faith, or maybe you're very well acquainted with the word of faith. The word of faith teaching, again, we're not going to get into the history of it, but it's essentially not biblical because it does focus on the power of your words. It's the force of faith. That's one of the things that you'll hear from well-known teachers of the word of faith. They, they view faith as a force. That, um, that they believe that God, they'll take Hebrews 11.1 1, and they'll say that God had faith. 
so that God spoke things into existence. Um, and that so we are supposed to have faith. Faith is a force, and they'll even make it like a law um, of faith. They'll misuse that in Romans, and they'll say that there is a law of faith and that you have to speak it in, you have to declare it. You call those things into existence, that you're the one with the power, that Satan took the power away from Adam. And so this is why Jesus came. He came to re-implement that power and authority. And so now we've been given that power and authority over the devil and that we are to take dominion once again. And they will actually remove the deification, if you will, to a certain point from Jesus. And they'll say, they'll, they'll make it to where um, he, we can be just like him, that he's the example He's the example that we follow as far as we can do anything he did. Actually, we can do greater things than Jesus did. They'll misappropriate John 14, 12. They will talk about being little gods, that we are um, made after his kind, that, that God doesn't make, uh, that God makes the, those after his kind, just like all the other animals do. And so we are little gods and that we are able to decree things and declare things and to call things into existence and call things that aren't as though they were. And we're able, the power of our words, we're definitely and life is in the power of the tongue, according to Proverbs 21, that they, you'll hear that quoted a lot, and that those who love it eat the fruit of, of it. But um, force, the force of faith is one of the things that words are used to manipulate faith. And that they create what they believe scripture promises. This could be in your body. This could be in your finances, in your family, whatever you are believing for. If you speak it out of your mouth, it has to come to pass. That's why you need to watch your words because your words are like containers and they can contain bad things or they can contain good things. And so depending on what you want to release is what what you want to see come to pass. That's what you need to be speaking out of your mouth because you're going to attract those things. That goes to the law of attraction. But this is part of word of faith. It really bleeds in together. And law and law of attraction, by the way, is not biblical. It's not biblical, nor is the word of faith when you look at the teachings of it. On this one website, I'll leave the link to this as well to help. Um, laws supposedly governing the faith force are said to operate independently of God's sovereign will and that God himself is subject to these laws. So you'll hear some of these ministers say that God can't do anything without us. God can't legally do anything unless we say something. You heard Mr. Backlin at the very beginning um, make the statement that God has to partner with someone to accomplish his will. Where does it say that in the Bible? Because, again, this is going back to word of faith. It's, it's implying that God's hands are tied, that he can't do anything unless we do something, unless we give him permission to do it, since we now have, since allegedly we have permission and authority, so God can't legally work in the world that he created, by the way that he created, that God can't do anything he wants to do. It is negating the sovereignty of God is what it's doing. It's negating that God is in control and that God is God and it's making us God. And that is satanic. That is Luciferian. That is something that Satan would say. You can, and that's what he said to Adam and Eve in the garden. You will be like God. You will be like God. It's the same echo packaged differently again. And and if you call right now, you'll get a second clicker, at, at no additional cost. Like this is the type of stuff that it is so it is so frustrating to to see these things sometimes and to understand these gimmicks that people are using that are just manipulating people and telling them if you just speak these things enough, if you'll just speak declarations a hundred times a day and click it, make sure you click it so that way you keep tabs on it, then you'll know that you're doing something. 
And it and really it's hearkening to like a works based type thing. If you just do this, if you if you do enough, you'll merit fa- you'll merit favor, you'll merit rewards, you'll merit finances, you'll merit good health, you'll merit a good marriage. Rather than focusing really on what the biblical principles are in scripture to see that being a disciple of Christ is not something that you can just click away and and it magically comes to pass. It's not like a a, a magic genie comes out that you that you rub you've heard people say this that you rub the bottle the right way and God does what what you want him to do. God doesn't have to do anything that we ask or that we decree and declare. He does things according to his will. Even we're told in scripture that if we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us. Forgive my passion. <laughs> this. But this was one of the things I was taught. I was, I was taught for years about word of faith. Kenneth Hagin's books were a lot of them. And I'm going to be doing in the near future, I'm going to be doing an episode about one particular book that I had to read when I was in the quote Bible college. And we're going to talk about some stuff that you may not realize about that particular book. It may kind of shock you when you understand some of the history behind that book. But we're going to talk about that in the near future. I've got to brush back up on things and some other resources, but we're going to talk about it. So as we look at the word of faith again, um, their theology is also very much unbiblical, along with the force of faith. Um, they have claimed that God created human beings in his literal image as little gods, and that before the fall, again, I'm reading from this website that I'll leave the link to below, before the fall, humans had the potential to call things into existence by using the faith force. After the fall, humans took on Satan's nature and lost the ability to call things into existence. In order to correct this situation, Jesus Christ gave up his divinity and became a man, died spiritually, and I've heard these recordings from Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, and others, Joyce Meyer. There are these recordings where they talk about that uh, Jesus died spiritually and that he was born again in hell. And it's an implication that what was done on the cross was insufficient. And that is not biblical. That is not the same gospel. That is another gospel. So they're saying that Jesus was tormented in hell and that he died spiritually and had to be born again and that he took on Satan's nature in hell that he rose from the dead with God's nature. And after this, Jesus was sent, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to replicate the incarnation in believers so they could become little gods as God had originally intended. This is not biblically based. This is the word of faith teaching. And some of this I was not told, but as I came out of this and began to read even some of the things, other things that, were, that Hagen said and hear the audio clips, he most certainly taught things like this, as did other people. This is not something that's a biblical teaching. It is something to be very much to avoid it because it is, a, it is another gospel. So if you're familiar with the word of faith teaching again, it focuses on the power of your words and that you need to watch what you say. Scripture is used or it's referenced. It still doesn't make it true because the scripture is being misappropriated in order to say, well, this is what needs to happen. And they also have have heavily relied on personal revelation. I know Hagen mentioned several times of seeing demons and seeing Jesus and, and having revelation given to him. Um, so there is a very much a, a heavy focus on yourself, I would argue, in the word of faith teaching. Now, how is this different from the law of attraction, you might ask? Well, on the same site that I'm going to link to as well, uh, if you're familiar with the secret, the law of attraction, um, you'll know that they talk about the universal energy force, 
that um, the power of your words, they do focus on that, that if you if you want something, then you need to say it out loud because what you say, you attract what what you what you want in your life. If you'll declare it, it comes to you. Um, and they focus a lot on the wealth and the, and the money aspect of it. And according to those that believe in the law of attraction, they say that that we are all incarnations of God, that we are all our own gods, able to create our own reality, able to control our own destiny. And this is, and again, this is nothing new. I mean, when you look at this again, this is echoing the words of Satan himself, that that temptation to be like God, to, to exalt yourself. And this, again, would deny when you're saying that you have the power and that you can do these things and call these things into existence, then you're essentially denying the sovereignty of God. Uh, that's exactly what's going on. You're denying the sovereignty of God. And if you don't get what you want, if you don't, especially in the word of faith movement, if you don't get what you're speaking, then immediately, again, it goes back to self. Well, I just don't have enough faith. Well, I've got some hidden sin somewhere Well, I've done something wrong. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't confessed enough. I haven't walked the floor enough. I haven't done this. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't. And it becomes a works-based mentality. It's meritorious. To where you are having to do something in order to get stay in God's good graces. You are having to declare something in order for God to legally do something in the world that he created. I cannot emphasize that enough. The world that God created, he does not need our permission to do anything. He is not waiting at our beck and call. He is not waiting for us to open our mouths before he can say something. He's not wringing his hands up in heaven saying, if they would just say these certain words, then I could do something. Is that the kind of God we honestly think that the, that the Bible talks about? That the, the true and living God is actually sitting up in heaven and he's going, if they would just say these certain words, then I could actually heal them. If they could, if they would just give this certain amount of money, then I could give them finances. I could bless them and give them a home or a car or whatever they're asking for. Or is God concerned about our eternal well-being to where maybe sickness persists in our life because it's sanctifying us for a certain reason? Maybe we're having certain struggles in different areas of our life because maybe we have sinned and that we've made something an idol and that we need to turn that over to the Lord and repent of those things. Or is it because that could be because we're living in a fallen world and we're dealing with things on a daily basis because our flesh is not yet glorified and we're still living in the world that's subjected to futility. Maybe it could be those things. Perhaps it could be those things. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, it is going to be those things. But it doesn't mean that God is at our mercy. He's not at our mercy. And we've, we've got to remember that. Otherwise, we've created a God of our own imagination. We've created a God of, of our own likeness. And it has to do what we want him to do. And it's all based on our power and our authority. Last time I checked, Jesus is the one that has all power and all authority. And yes, we do have some authority in this world, but we are under authority. We and we must be reminded of that continuously. We are under authority and God is the one who is sovereign and he is the almighty authority that we look to. And we glean from his word to understand his instruction and who he is. Now, I want to take a quick look at uh, some of the resources on uh, ignitinghope.com as far as their declarations. So since they mentioned Steve's declarations, and like I said, they have 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lists. They even have declarations for kids. I will not be reading that over my children. Thank you very much. I will be doing Bible studies with them. But Steve's daily declarations, it says powerful daily declarations from Steve to ignite your hope, joy, and renew your mind with truth. And he says, declarations number one, he says, these, de- these 10 basic declarations are foundational to the building of your faith. They will increase expectancy of God's goodness and thus will increase the manifestation of that goodness in your life. Jesus said, according to your faith, so be it. Matthew eight thirteen. Say these and other declarations every day for a month and see what happens to your life. I feel like I'm reading an infomercial sometimes. It really kind of makes me feel icky. I'm sorry. So some of the things he says here, this is declaration one. My prayers are powerful and effective. James 5, 16, B. God richly supplies all my needs. Philippians 4, 19. I am dead to sin and alive to live supernaturally. Romans 6, 11, 2 Peter 1, 4. I walk in ever-increasing health. Psalm 103, Isaiah 53, 5. I live under supernatural protection. Psalm 91. Like Jesus, I prosper in all my relationships. Luke 2, 52. I consistently bring God encounters to other people. Mark 16, 17 through 18. I, I uproariously laugh when I hear a lie from the devil. And then uh, he goes on declarations number two. Remember this, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Again, I would encourage you, when you hear verses mentioned, you need to go check out the context because I'm getting the, the, the impression here that some of these, if not a lot of these verses, are not in the context of what they're saying. Now again, are we to encourage ourselves in the Lord by his word? Most certainly. We can, but there's a difference in saying that I'm declaring these things and they must happen because I have all this power. I can do all this. I do all that. I, that. I create things with my words. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. Then that makes you God. And I'm not God the last time I checked. Um, and I'm never going to be God. Declarations number two, remember this, faith is the evidence. And so he goes on, says, our evidence for things being true is not our circumstances, but God's promises. We don't deny negative facts in our lives, but we choose to focus on a higher reality, God's truth. Faith indeed comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17. They, they quote that. And I will tell you right now, Romans 10, 17 is faith comes by hearing. If they would just say the whole thing, he did not. And hearing through the word of Christ, this is talking about the gospel being preached so that you could receive salvation. When you read Romans 10 in that context, I encourage you to read it. Don't take my word for it. But that is talking about the gospel going forth and to obtain salvation through the gospel. It's not talking about what he's saying. And um, they go on to make more declarations. I'm not going to read that for time's sake because there's a number of them. They talk about declarations number three. One of the main methods Jesus and the apostles used in the Gospels and Acts was to speak to things. You will notice that they did not ask God to heal people, cast out demons, or raise the dead, but they spoke to bodies, demons, the wind, etc., And there's a reason for that, why Jesus and the apostles did that. Jesus was God for one thing, truly God, truly man. The apostles were commissioned by Jesus Christ himself. They were the apostles of Christ, and they were given that authority to do that, and their ministry was authenticated by Christ himself because of what they did. There's a reason for that. Um, They talk about my angels are carrying out the word of God on my behalf. Um, We don't commission angels, by the way, and we don't command angels. God does that. He ends the declaration with saying, I say you are a good God, and I eagerly anticipate your goodness today. Well, I thank God for his goodness and mercy on me every day, even in the midst of my ignorance, when I've said things that did not please him and that really 
that did not glorify him. And so I thank him for his goodness that and his kindness that drew me to repentance. And that's something that we can all thank God for. And, and we, we need to thank God for daily for his mercies on us that are new every day. So in closing, the thoughts that I had um, between the public teaching and the de- de- and the declarations, they do seem to be self-centered. And that definitely is concerning because when we begin to focus on self and think we have all this power, then we have diminished really who God is. And and there'll be some people that will disagree and they'll say, oh no, I love God. That's not diminishing God when I when I believe I have authority and power and that I can create things. But it is because it's making you God and you're you're sounding like like Lucifer. You're you're sounding like Satan. I would sound like Satan when I said things like that and, and not even mean to. And again, sincerity means nothing. Sincerity doesn't equal truth. And when you hear these declarations, when you're focusing on yourself, you're you're making yourself the center of it all. And God is some backseat passenger, backseat driver, and that he's just, he's giving you, he's relinquishing all this power and authority to you. But then when he does that, he's no longer God. I mean, these are things that we need to consider, and it minimizes God. Uh, these types of beliefs and teachings, it's minimizing God and maximizing our perceived power and authority. It's maximizing us and minimizing Him. And that's not biblical either. And the way God is allegedly talked to by Steve, I mean, there's there's one thing that he says that I will share with you before we close and get and, and let you hear it so you can think about would you t- would you talk to the the living god this way would you talk to the true and living god and listen i know that there are examples how job talked to the lord when he was suffering and such this man is is saying that he has this personal relationship with the lord and he's talking to god in this way i cannot imagine talking to god like this. It's one thing when we go to the Lord and we're, if we're lamenting or that we're, we're going, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand why this is going on or why that's going on, or I don't understand uh, how this is going to work out. And, and I'm frustrated right now, but I can't imagine going to God and talking to him like this. Higher levels, higher devils. (laughs) The Lord called me on that. Hey, Steve, how come you say every time you move forward in me, you get attacked by the devil? Uh, well, Lord, <laughs> the reason I say every time I move forward in you that I get attacked by the devil is because every time I move forward in you, I get attacked by the devil. <laughs> That's why I say it. And I heard this. He said, it's, tr- it's true for you, but it's not truth. It's true for you because all you renew your mind with is your past experience and you create doctrines out of it, you create identities out of it. It's true for you, but it's not, it's not truth. Say, hey, Steve, how come you talk more about the attack of the devil than my protection? Uh, well, Lord. <laughs> well, Lord. If I saw more of your protection, I would talk about it more. I got a suggestion for you. Why don't you start talking about it more? Why don't you, why don't you start declaring that you're the protected one? Well, why, why don't you do that? Because because whatever we talk a lot about, we'll see more of. And I have a suggestion for what was just said. 
is that we get back to the truth of the Word of God and that we begin to show reverence to God once again and that we don't talk to Him like He's somebody that we're talking to that's sitting across the table from us, that we are being so irreverent towards and thinking that we have all this power and authority and that we are supposed to speak these things in, like He's just now talking about. about You talk about how you're the protected one. How about you exalt the name of Jesus Christ? that we get back to the truth of this word and that we quit entertaining these unverified conversations with God for one thing that are irreverent, that are showing that we have no holy, holy reverential fear towards God. We're wanting to decree things and declare things and call things into existence. And we're not recognizing maybe that the things that we're dealing with is a way for us to draw closer to the Lord, even in the midst of something we don't want to be in the midst of. And that we realize that we're not little gods. We're not, we can't call things in that don't, that don't exist, that God does that. He's the only one that does that. There is nowhere in scripture that you're going to find that's going to verify and validate this type of teaching. And again, I would argue that this type of teaching is word of faith. And now there's a declarations clicker that you can, that people can purchase. You don't need that. You just need to get back to the word. So I hope that this has been helpful to you. I hope that you uh, pardon my passion at times, but I don't like seeing people being taken advantage of. I don't like seeing people being manipulated. And I don't like seeing people take the word of God and twisting it and contorting it to mean something it does not mean. Let's love God and love his word and honor him for who he is and respect the word that testifies of him to where it can be written on our hearts and it will transform us to where we glorify God in word and deed and that we realize we are the created being and he is the creator. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.